America. My name is Amir Yosef from Pong. I come to you live every Thursday in the afternoon. Today I'm going to do a special Tuesday show because there's some issues that we need to talk about as people and that we get confused about. And what does R. Kelly, Will Smith, and Black Masculinity all have in common is that they're all overdetermined by what it is to be a black male in America. Because make no mistake, what it is to be a black male in America is to always be considered a sexual threat. So that has substantively like uh, formed black masculinity in America. You know, it's funny. I, I, you know, I, my students get in the shock about this, but I always tell them that like, I think I was about 12 and I, when I worried that I might be a rapist. Now, mind you at 12, I had not ever kissed a girl, but, um, being a sexual assault assailant isn't always up to you. A lot of black men have actually like, you know, had intimate relationships with women. And it turns out that the next day they found out it was sexual assault. <laughs> it wasn't so like people talk about, you know, how old women are when they feel like they might be sexual assault victims or potential sexual assault victims. I was keenly aware of, especially when I moved to a white suburb, how old I was when I could be a sexual assault assailant. <laughs> like, like, because once again, that is not up to you. There's this notion that it is uh, up to the assailant about whether they're an assailant. It's not. It's not. It's not a lot of a lot of a good number of black people have been retroactive. Black males have been retroactively um, deemed assailants. And I did not want that to be my fate. So a lot of the job of a black male is to not be um, considered a rapist. That is the, the, the side gig. The side job of not of a black male is to not be considered a rapist and to like do everything in your power to make sure that you avoid the presumption of being a rapist because the default is that you're a rapist, especially if you pay, take up space or you have some bass in your voice. This is why I suspect, a, you know, between Chris Brown and, and, um, and R. Kelly, I suspect a lot of uh, falsetto black singers are themselves victims. If you don't know that, if you're talking about R. Kelly and not actually considering that he himself was a victim, then you're not actually worried about getting rid of sexual assault. You just want to kind of blame men. I'll say this again. If you're not, if you're talking about R. Kelly and, and his conviction and for like what he did and not dealing with um, the fact that he himself was a victim and it turns out that sexual abuse victims abuse, abusers abuse, this isn't a, a problem. But if you don't actually deal with the abuse and have a structure to talk about Kelly as an abuser, you can't be surprised when he abuses. And he's going to abuse many times his numbers. So you go ahead and abuse our Kelly. And then he's going to abuse like many times his number because you abused him and never actually dealt with his abuse. And I bet our Kelly's abuser, who apparently was one of his aunts from when he was a, a little boy for a long time, uh, was herself abused. Right. So you never actually deal with the system of like the system. And then you're surprised when it perpetuates. Right. So, yes, R. Kelly, you know, he did a bad thing and he should be punished. But if you're actually serious about dealing with sexual abuse, you can't just deal with it as like an R. Kelly thing or a man thing. You have to deal with R. Kelly as a victim thing. And when I say that we have a hard time dealing with black men as a victim, let me let me show you a clip of how we dealt with. Um. Chris Brown, because Chris Brown, everybody knows, if you know Chris Brown, you know he's a heck of a dancer. And also, he was abusive in his relationship with Rihanna. But this is um, let me get to you a story of, I'm going to get to you a story of Chris Brown. This is Chris Brown 
a story that's about Chris Brown in his own um uh in his in his own life and this is like you have to think about this is what chris brown went through so let me just play this and this is how chris brown was treated after what he went through hi hollywood lifers this is holly buzz with bonnie and chloe chris brown gave another interview in which he told the guardian that he actually lost his virginity at the age of eight what that is Crazy. That is so young. So crazy. And actually, HollywoodLife.com, we've spoken to a source close to Rihanna who says she's not surprised because he was basically a beast in bed and that they used to have crazy sex together. This is all a little TMI for me, Bonnie. I don't really want to know that Chris Brown lost his virginity at eight. Well, you, you do know and you're talking about it. And Rihanna felt that it actually because he got started so young, oh that's why he was so good. I'm blushing right now. I don't and, know if you can see. And apparently, once they had made up, you know, when they got back together mm -hmm. last year, our source tells us that Rihanna felt that the makeup sex was just wild. So now we know another reason why they got back together. Yeah, well, and now they're not together anymore, so maybe she kind of got over the fact that his sex was so great. But also, though, we have spoken to a source close to Chris Bonnie, who says uh, exactly how he feels about losing his virginity at eight. Well, he doesn't think it was any big deal. In <laughs> fact, he thinks that it was a great thing because he got started early well, and you, he got lots of experience. Well, you know what? You can't go back in time and change that. All right, guys, so tell us what you think. Do you think that it's TMI that Chris revealed <laughs> that he lost his virginity at the age of eight years old? That's like the second grade. Subscribe right here and come back to HollywoodLife.com. Bye, guys. Bye. So Chris, Chris Brown was raped and those ladies were tittering about it. And that's that's the that's why we can't actually deal with um we we can't actually deal with sexual assault, especially in our community, because it turns out our communities are violent for external stresses, but sometimes those external stresses like are realized in internal relationships and in, in, in home relationships, right? So instead of actually dealing with that, um we we titter about the idea that Chris Brown was raped. He was raped, he was eight years old. I have a daughter who is almost nine. That means like he was raped and we don't understand it is that and when that's and then he grows up to be an abuse so guy r kelly also another guy little wayne all these guys were assaulted themselves and instead of actually dealing with a system that predictably produces their assault and then they go on to assault other people um we just want to just say well you know they're deviant men and like that's just not that's that's not appropriate that's inappropriate fundamentally we're dealing with victims who are themselves become perpetrators and we should deal with them as victims who become perpetrators if we're actually serious about dealing with sexual assault now what does this have to do with will smith will smith um yeah it's interesting that you it's interesting that you don't find a white version of will smith right like why isn't there a white version of will smith and when I say a white version of Will Smith, that means like an actor who is like the biggest draw in his game and um, is kind of like troubled because his wife wants to sleep around a little bit. And I'm actually pro swinging. I, I think swingers should swing. I think I, 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 the marriage isn't about how you get it in necessarily. And like the people who... Um, um, like if you want to swing, swing, work it out with your partner and like that, because that's what marriage is about, working it out with your partner. But like, I'm not, I'm not I, like, let the swingers swing if they want to swing. 
um, and like just work it out with your partner uh, how that is. So it's not that. But what I'm dealing with, what what's interesting about Smith is that how he is kind of being treated in this, um, in this kind of expose, and um, you don't. You, that's asymmetrical. Like you just don't see white guys in that position who are treated like this. And and I think, I mean, you could t- say all you want about like black men being the the white men and black people. It's just not true because black men are black men in America, right? Black Americans are black Americans, right? So like like this idea that black men are somehow patriarchs, like like Will Smith is the biggest of us, like, and he is very much a black man. And this is just, and like, it is what it is. His situation is what it is. And that's why I'm treating it. And like, it's not particularly surprising. It's not particularly surprising. If this were happening to like a big deal, white, like icon, it would be particularly surprising, but it's not particularly surprising because we all know that Will Smith is a black man and Jada Plinkett's a black woman. And like, they, you know, are going to, they're working it out the way they work it out. And, um, it's not surprising that like she has sex with other guys. It would be surprising if you could say the same thing about Clint Eastwood. Um, and, uh, and it went down like this. Or uh, I'm trying to, I don't know, Tom Hanks. And, you know, you don't find this about Tom Hanks. Why isn't, and Will Smith is, I think Tom, Tom Hanks is a, an equivalent um, uh, figure for, white, for the whites as Will Smith is for the blacks. And there's, it's not an accident that you don't find this about Tom Hanks because like there's no, the, the, like black masculinity is markedly different than white masculinity. Like it's, there's no patriarchy. Like, 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 there's fake patriarchy that's a lot of it put on by people with class aspirations who want to be white. Like, like Will Smith is in the blackest situation you could be in, and it, that's why it's not surprising. It's not surprising. Right? And um, you have to think of people like R. Kelly as a victim. You have to think about Chris Brown as a victim. Victims who also are perpetrators, but they're also victims. So what do you do with them? Well, you figure out the systems that led to them being victimized because it's not just them, it's happening to black boys all over and nobody cares. Nobody cares. It, they're indifferent. Or if you're Chris Brown, they, they laugh at it. Say you had sex, you lost your virginity, not you were raped because Chris Brown was raped. Little Wayne was raped. Um, R. Kelly was raped. And then they have distorted views about sexual relationships because they were raped in a very hostile environment. And that's, and like with R. Kelly, and I suspect Chris Brown, there are going to be like all sorts of other like infrastructure mechanisms that supply. I, I have horror stories of like teachers who let R. Kelly into hunt at his high school, Kenwood High School in, 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 uh, in Chicago. So like there was an entire infrastructure that supported these guys. And even the fathers of the girls involved. So like this is what happened. This is what happens when desperate and degraded people like also have sex. Like black people are desperate and degraded in these United States and they also have sex. So what it's going to look like is desperate and degraded, uh, degraded sexual relationships or disproportionately so. Or it's going to look like um, actually like according to studies, more liberal and egalitarian relationships that you see like in, in Will Smith's relationship. Um, 
because like the notion of manhood is going to be markedly different. Tommy Curry's got a great book on this. Do I have? Oh, I have it right here. This is a good book. The Man Not. Um, uh, the Man Not came out probably about four years ago, written by Tommy Curry. He's a professor at the University of Edinburgh. Does fantastic work. And I, you know, I, I marked it so I can probably tell you the exact page. I marked a lot. I marked a lot of this book. Um, uh, where he goes into like actually black men are, are relatively progressive. Uh, yeah, they're relative. It's in it's in the introduction toward the a genre study of black male death and dying. We it turns out black males do not just exist in order to be shot down in the police. We actually have our own sense of like being and um, masculinity. And it also turns out that there's an enormous there is an enormous interest in black men being rapists. And this is why if you're a black man, you, you have to worry about always on the defense of being considered or reconceived or construed as a rapist. I know like, and you know, I kind of gave up that. It's a whole job. It's a whole kind of tax that I didn't want kind of draining my tea to always kind of present myself as not a rapist under the presumption that I'm a rapist. People think about being black is about being followed around in stores, but really it's about being like a rapist. Um, and being presumed to be a rapist and spending all your energy trying to show yourself that you're not a rapist. And I did not want to spend my energy that way because, make no mistake, I am a threat, right? So when you have to spend all of your time showing yourself to not be a rapist, what you're doing is showing yourself to not be a threat. But I am a threat, just not in that way. I'm a threat in other ways. And But in order to show yourself to not be a rapist, you have to show yourself to not be a threat in any way. And I'm not about to show myself to not be a threat in any way. Some people could say that since I'm like, you know, pretty loudly not a feminist, I'm a threat to women. So there's a way in which, depending on who you talk to, I'm a threat to women. Just not in that way. I'm a threat to women in another way. Uh, so, but in order to show myself to not be a rapist, I have to show myself to not be a threat in any way and i'm not about to do that because not doing that means you like actually sacrifice the position of black men and their vulnerability and you 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 can't speak about their vulnerability and their degradation and their oppression and i'm going to speak about their degradation and oppression and a lot of the degradation and oppression that is heaped upon black men doesn't um isn't necessarily because they're merely black but because they're men and a lot of the perpetrators of this um, degradation isn't necessarily white people and white people because they're white or it's white women and they degrade black men. Your teachers, I'm, a lot of you know this because you went to public school and you had your white lady teachers who degraded you in ways that white men weren't actually allowed to do. Right. Um, so like there is certain kind of degradation, there's certain kind of gendered power in this America in the division of like racial control that, you know, white women can do because they're women and women can do because they're women. You're more vulnerable because they're women. And unless you and, and if you're not going to talk about that, then you're not actually serious about like securing justice for black people and black men um, in these United States. But if you do that, you're going to be considered a threat. So I am threatening. Boom. I am a threat. Um, but in order to not be considered a rapist, I have to show myself to, const I have to constantly show myself to not be considered a threat. And I refused to, to do that about 10 years ago. So I just kind of gave up. <laughs> I just kind of gave up. I just kind of gave up not being a considered a threat. And I just say, yes, I am. You're damn right I'm threatening. Yes, I am threatening. 
just not in the way you think, but you're not going to believe that. And um, like there, since you can retroactively, and no small amount of, of black men have been retroactively um, considered assailants, you can't, you're not even in control of whether you're an assailant. So that means you have to like do nothing. And that's like telling a woman that like, well, she can't wear a dress and go outside or she's asking for it. No, she, women should be able to wear dresses and go outside. <laughs> um, and black men should be able to like, you know, ask out women and occasionally have sex um, and it not retroactively be considered rape or assault or harassment, right? So if you're going, if you're going to live your life without actually being a threat in any way, you're not going to live much of a life. In the same way, if you're going to live your life without being a victim, like without putting yourself to be invulnerable in any vulnerable in any way, you're not going to be live much of a life. The issue is that um, everybody needs discretion. And black men are not given discretion, you assume to be this close to being a rapist and America needs you to be this close to being a, ra a rapist in order to legitimize the way we police and degrade you. And to keep you in line, control your behavior. Once you get an America where black men aren't terrified of being considered rapists is would be completely unrecognizable it'd be unrecognizable and that's just the truth right everyone would look and sound like me <laughs> not everyone but like a lot more people the reason why more people don't look and sound like me is because they're terrified of being construed as rapists um and so if you want more people to look and sound like me. First of all, if you want more people to look and sound like me, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in 15, um, five, 15 or $50 a month to keep me doing these videos. Cause you know, I, I'd, I'd like to grow and yeah, have bills to pay. And, um, uh, but if you want more people to look and sound like me and make the kind of arguments that I'm making, you're going to have to like lean in to uh, the stigma and understand the stakes are the, re the reason why more people don't look and sound like me is because they're terrified of being considered a sexual threat. If you, as long as you're scared of being considered a sexual threat, you're not going to do the damn thing for black people in America. <laughs> as long as you're scared of, I'll say this again, as long as you are scared of being considered a sexual threat, you're not going to do a damn thing for black people in America. Not really. Um, because the moment you start trying to do something for black people in America, you are going to be construed as a sexual threat, unless you're like Morgan Freeman age. So you got to lean into that, just lean into it and lean into it early and just deal with it. Because like, as soon as you start making moves for black people in America, you're going to be considered a sexual threat, especially if you happen to like sex. <laughs> so, um, if you want free black people then we need to have this conversation, send this video around, share it on your social media, and I will talk to you uh, on Thursday.